Hey, short announcement before we get to the episode proper. If you are listening to this as it drops, we are in the middle of March Masksness, uh, which was put on by James Malloy of Protean City Comics. It is very, very cool. Go check it out on Twitter at March Masksness or with hashtag March Masksness. There are a lot of really, really cool podcasts involved. You should check as many of them out as you have time for. We see from a three-quarters overhead view Jackie, William, and Darren around a table in a very upscale restaurant. Behind William, a server offers a platter with a fine collection of void chimes and silver sand. In front of Jackie, a series of mirrors reflecting a wide variety of ursine shapes, both with and without cybernetics. Green vines creep up Darren's arm and blossom with a riot of colorful flowers. As we scan the picture, we realize the table is not a table at all. It is the moon. Issue 32, Trajectory. And welcome back to issue 32. Wow. It's March now. Definitely not January. We are definitely not recording this in January. Happy Oreo Day. <laughs> It is that most important of holidays, Oreo Wait. Day. <laughs> now is that a national or an international holiday? I didn't uh, look that far into it. <laughs> let's just assume global. Uh, All right. You know, everyone loves a good Oreo. That is true. Double stuffed goodness. Also, happy dentist day. And for some reason, my brain doesn't like that those two are on the same day. <laughs> Seems counterproductive. <laughs> so anyhow, now that we're now that we're past that, we open on. A couple of panels um, that progress us a few days past our last episode. So first off, we see a giant boar mm-hmm. kind of like stopping at the edge of the forest. And tell us what you look like now, because it's been a minute. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember that I'm a polar bear now. My cybernetics have gotten very sort of like brushed smooth chrome, like 50s spaceship look. Nice. So I definitely got that 1950s polished future look going on with the white and the chrome. I'm, I'm larger since I'm a polar bear now. White, still have the cyber eye. I'm, I'm an eagle form now, mm-hmm. so there, there's some eagle-y stuff going on. And as you head back into town, a couple of things to recall is that you did get a, a phone call on your way back to Earth. Yes. Uh, that one of your dear friend's motorhead had been impounded. <laughs> That's that's right. I forgot about that. So the question is, are you in a frame of mind to do anything about that? Or ha- has this whole situation just kind of like that's been pushed to the side at this point? I will deal with that. Okay. I feel like I'm ready to deal with that. How are you planning on dealing with that? I feel like I'm just going to go down to the impound lot mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll take it from there. We're going to see what I... I guess I would try to just do it normally. You know, I'm, I'm going to try to just get him out of impound. Okay. We do see those scenes of this very different looking polar bear Uh moving through the streets of Apex City 
And no one is really familiar with you in this that's, form that's because right. last time we saw you, you were a black bear. That's that's right. And how many other cybernetic bears are there, though? That's a great question. Uh, so there's definitely some looks being tossed your way. And I want to move over from there to Darren because you did buy clothes for school. Mm. Guess what has started? School. School. So your your first uh, kind of weeks back at school, or this is like your first week back at school, your first couple of days back at school, mm-hmm. or in school at all, ever in a human school, Yes, you are definitely getting some attention from your fellow classmates, uh, because you look different, and you seem very different. You don't really get human culture in a um, lived way, right? Mm-hmm. What's probably the weirdest panel that we get there? Like, what's, what's Darren just does not get about high school? What I don't get about high school, I think she would be struggling with cliques, like all of us do, because the unseen, unspoken, un, un super acknowledged <laughs> divisions uh, that seem very arbitrary would be very difficult. Hmm. Social media, not knowing social media, her plan doesn't really have social media, and have how big of an influence that would be in high school. I think she'd be really struggling with, uh, honestly, struggling with. Either uh, biochem in science and uh, in math because she does math differently on her planet. You use like a base eight. Yeah, just like ten. any sort of base ten. Right. Yeah, yeah, we use a base six, so it's like <laughs> this is different and weird. Yep. Yeah. Would Darren be like well known enough in the city at this point that she would actually be like recognizable? Um, yeah, recognized hero. Maybe for high schoolers. Maybe for high schoolers. Yeah, maybe. Because yeah. I am younger. We've been on social media, I feel. Yeah. yeah. But there's, yeah. it's You've such been... a large city full yeah. of heroes. I don't yeah. feel like I've done anything to you, super you did get out. You did get pulled on stage during an Evergreen concert, oh. like specifically oh. called out. So I oh think I think goodness. that's actually probably more where they would know you from. Yes, that's very true. Because your heroic antics on the bridge weren't being televised. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of your, you know, yeah. heroing stuff hasn't been out in the public eye. Yeah. With, like, two exceptions. Because there yeah. was the one like Phoenix thing that was on the news, mm-hmm. and then there was the uh, Evergreen concert. And that's really the only times you've been. I guess that's right. We yeah. also took on. Uh, yeah, Big Steel. Yeah, Big Steel. yeah. But again, that wasn't there wasn't there weren't like news crews or anything. Yeah, no there. one was around no? for that one. No. Okay. no. So you might have been like in a paper, but it's not like they you know brought in a news crew to interview you afterwards. Kids don't read papers right. anyway. I yes. think I would have grown grown small sprouts and small mushrooms on my face to mimic acne like what I see my classmates having. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) And I would have grown roots underneath my skin around my eyes to look like classes. But they're like underneath my skin, so it's just like just like like markings. Yes. That's good. That's good. We get it we get those panels and then we move over to William, uh, who has probably some extracurricular activities. So we do see you, you know like leaving schools because you still go to them. Yes. Um, but we're more interested in what you are doing afterwards. Uh, official extracurriculars or what I'm actually doing? <laughs> like what you're actually doing afterwards. Because mm-hmm. Eric has been doing some research on this, you know, moon prison that you're in theory going to break Nightshade out of. Space base. Space base. He does have some information that he can pass along to you at this point. Cool. Uh, so... Uh, I'm also going to head over and ask Horace if she has any advice for surviving in space or in an area with no atmosphere, at least. How are you going to cool. frame that question? Cool. So yeah. Pretty much exactly like I just did. So, <laughs> normally when you go visit Horace, at this point it's kind of routine, you follow some signs, mm-hmm. you find a doorway. 
I would like you to unleash your powers to extend your senses, supernatural or otherwise. Okay, I can do that. That is a six. Okay. That does not go well. Potential. You do get to mark potential. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> you follow the signs. You are sure that you are doing this correctly. But after three go-rounds, you don't find a door. And you are huh. starting to suspect that something is wrong. No way of doing anything about that. You definitely know that... Uh, because, again, you think, it's like, okay, well, maybe the first time I just did something wrong. So you try it again and nothing happens. And then after the third time, you know you did it right. And you are still not finding a door anything. To okay. her sanctum now. Okay. In that case, I will scratch my head in confusion and move on to go talk to Eric. What Eric has for you is a couple of satellite images. They're not very high resolution, but they are enough to get you a basic layout of this place. And a little thumb drive that he passes along to you with this warning. Personnel files in this place are stored on site and accessible remotely. They're very, very encrypted, so we can't get a copy of them, but we can get you access. When you access this, they're going to find out very quickly. It's not, or at least it shouldn't be traceable, but you're not going to have a whole lot of time, so you're kind of going to have to pick and choose what you what you look at. So is this something you're supposed to be doing on base or right now? Like You can do either, but this is your backdoor into their database. It'll grant you very limited access for a short amount of time. And it should be able to tell me where Nightshade is. In theory. Okay. So let me show you. And I know this is a uh, very visual medium podcasting, so I will try and describe this as best I can. This is the Center for Neutralization and Detention, uh, affectionately called Candyland. Yes. Son of a bitch. <laughs> it is situated, for our listeners, in the South Pole Aitken Crater of the Moon. This is a real crater. It is 1,600 miles across. To put that in real-world perspective, it would stretch from West Texas to Delaware. It is about 8 miles deep at its lowest point. So when we say this is a big, big crater, it is. It's also on the dark side of the moon, so you can't see it directly from Earth. You know, okay. to prevent those pesky people, you know, amateur mm -hmm. astronomers from finding out about the government's secret, you know, super prison. Wait, how do we have satellite images of it then? Ah, well, the Infernus Corporation helped build this place and there maintain security. <laughs> so you are funding partners. You have to know it's there because you helped build it. Uh, it helps to have your finger in every pie, doesn't it? Welcome to mm -hmm. Candyland. It's a big ovoid crater that very steeply comes down to a basin. There is one central hub three housing facilities outside of that, and a landing pad for spacecraft. There's also a big, dense pit just off-site. It looks like someone has been maybe excavating something. So that's what you get visually. Moonworms. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming this is not to scale. No. No. The actual... Because <laughs> otherwise, you know, this no. picture you've given me, this base is approximately, like... Yeah, it's huge. 300 miles across. That, that said, <laughs> the base itself does cover a span that would encompass several city blocks. Okay. So it's very, big. very big. So that is what you have physically. There is a landing pad, and beyond that, Eric does say that he may have a way for you to get in clandestinely, because as a prison facility for very, very dangerous people. Obviously, there is a lot of monitoring that happens inside, and if you just go in guns blazing, they're going to know you're there immediately. Right. He has called in a few favors, and he has bribed several fairly high-ranking, uh, you know, U.S. military personnel. There is a transport shuttle, you know, rotating out Candyland facility, basically, and he 
does have a few spots on that for some new recruits. So that's an option if you want to take it. So um, I guess I'll ask Eric, do we have any better pictures to the, where I could get to the point where I could just portal there instead? That was incredibly difficult to get, and it's the highest resolution one he has. So not good enough. Okay. You could try. Again, you could try. But it'd be very risky. It would be, it would be risky, yes. So with that information, what do you do? I will take said information and say, how much time do I have? Uh, ask Eric, how much time do I have before I need to like let you know in this 100%? Transport leaves tomorrow night. Okay, so soon. So um, about 36 hours. I am going to text my friends and say, hey, I've got a job that I could use some help with. Can we meet tonight and talk about this? So I want to, as you are getting that message, pan over uh-huh. to our polar bear friend. Right. You get to the police's impound lot, mm-hmm. and there is, you know, a little, a little, uh, a little building in front of it that you go into f- to pay your fines. This sort of thing for yeah. this sort of thing. What do you do? I assume Crackshot is not there. Oh no! Unless you've contacted Crackshot, <laughs> and honestly, probably not then because yeah, he's I, wanted. I assume he wouldn't have gone there. Okay, I'm just gonna walk up to them and ask to to pay the fine on my motorcycle. They look you up and down, being a you know cybernetic polar bear. Uh huh. And then the officer, you know, behind the desk hands you a clipboard to fill out some information like, you know, the license plate on your motorcycle, make, model, etc., etc. Shoot, would I know what, what his license plate would say? I feel like you probably would. I would probably know what it says. Yeah. He probably hasn't changed it in all these years. I mean, does it not just say his name? I would assume it does. Uh, it does say MTRHD, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I would have assumed. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I can put that down. I can I can make up a make and model. Sure. I'll just say unique. <laughs> Custom. Custom. Uh, so you fill out your paperwork, you hand uh-huh. that back in, and they inform you uh, that the fine is $150. Yeah, so I assume I don't have any money on me, but I assume I have some sort of account with Kopi. Probably. That I can ask them to charge. Yeah, that's fine. So I will do that. Sure. Okay. You pay your $150 and they give you a little ticket and they tell you that one of the officers will, you know, bring it around. Uh Uh-huh. So you head out front. Uh Uh-huh. And sure enough, one of the officers, you know, walks out your motorcycle. I'm going to hop on that motorcycle. You are quite large. Yes, I am. Okay. (laughs) Assuming Motorhead can support me. Let's find out. So you hop on the motorcycle. (laughs) And I'm just going to ride off into the sunset. Have you ever ridden a motorcycle before? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna try my best. I would like you to unleash your powers. That sounds right. You are overcoming an obstacle, specifically your lack of ability to drive. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled two ones. <laughs> that gives me a total of three. Good job. So you jump on Motorhead. And he immediately buckles because you are huge. <gasps> I'm bigger than I remember. Uh, That's right. And the officer is, you know, about to maybe either like laugh or help you out. Uh-huh. But when he buckles, rather than snapping in half as a motorcycle, he changes back into a person. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Uh, at which point they realize something is going on. Uh-huh. And there's yeah. a moment of hesitation before they, whatever, like, call it in or something. Yeah. What do you do? I will say Motorhead is under you groaning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna stare at the officer and say, this never happened. Throw Motorhead on my back and run out of there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dignity and grace. I, I am not gonna make you roll for that. You are... 
Not even to take a powerful blow to my dignity. No, no, definitely not. This is, I think, just a thing that happens at the panel we get. Where are you going? I had originally been just going to meet William, but I guess I'll, I'll ask uh, Motorhead where he wants to be let off. And he's like, hospital would be kind of nice, thanks. <laughs> okay. Okay, I will take him to the hospital. I assume he recognizes me to some extent. You know, I don't, you just, you just kind of tried to cripple him. I don't think he cares at this point. That's probably true. So, uh, yeah, you drop him off uh, at the hospital. And uh, at that point, you get a message on your watch. Uh, that, you know, That's right. So I don't know about Liam. But yeah, yeah, I would just take him to the hospital. And we catch up with Darren at the end of a school day. You've gotten off Detective Darren now because mm. he got promotion. Right. God bless is, him. Is working at the moment. So Meredith comes to pick you up from school. She's a gym. She is. And as you are about halfway home, uh, you get that message on your watch that uh, that William has a thing and wants to meet this evening. Meredith hears, like, the beep and kind of looks at her and is like, oh, is one, did one of your friends send you a message? Yeah, my friend William sent me a text. Oh, so not your school friends. No, just William. I like him. He's nice. He's okay. <laughs> Rude. You, last time you spoke to me, you, you yelled at me. So let's, let's kind of cut to that evening. Since it seems like, you know, people are going to show up for this. Okay. Where are you meeting them? Obviously. Abandoned Forever 21. Anywhere is abandoned. <laughs> so, like, it could be half a city. So you have <laughs> your abandoned mall, which your dad does know about, but you're on good terms now. You have your abandoned Chuck E. Cheese and your pick of abandoned uh, warehouses. I'll, I'll leave that up to you. You know what? We're... Or you could you could meet somewhere that's not abandoned. I right? was gonna say let we'll go out to a to uh, my favorite upscale vegetarian restaurant. Cool. And I'm assuming uh, since you are super super rich, you can probably you know I'm gonna pay for everything. Yeah, obviously. I was gonna say you could book out the restaurant so you don't have any interruptions. Oh, that but... too. Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, at least like, like half the abandoned. restaurant. Yeah, like, yeah. It's basically abandoned except for the wage staff. Yeah, got it. Okay, that makes me feel more comfortable. So we get that scene of all of you kind of like sitting around at this restaurant. First off, uh, the most important question, this is a vegetarian restaurant. What did you get? Oh, geez. I normally eat fish. Let's see. I'm going to get the biggest piece of tofu that they have. Mm -hmm. And then like three of them. Do you want anything on that or just like, how do you want it prepared? Yeah, seared, (laughs) marinated. Oh, man. Yeah. Ah, there's so many like options with tofu. It's truly or just a big block of tofu. (laughs) See, that's what I imagine Jackie would order right now. It's just a giant block of bland tofu. tofu. Fair enough. Unless you do molecular gastronomy, then sky's the limit. I think they absolutely do. Okay, then yeah, give me the weirdest, most scientific thing you can take. They bring you a giant soap bubble with the essence of tofu inside. Okay, that's delightful. I'm supremely disappointed, but intrigued. That sounds like you know, most experimental yeah. food. Like, exactly. it's really cool, but this food, is terrible, right? Like, well, how do you, how do you, how? Hot takes of molecular gastronomy, right? So, Darren, what do you get? I would request the compost bucket, please, from the kitchen. They give you kind of an odd look, but they they plate some of their compost as best they can. They All make right. you a compost compote. Uh, to go on your compost. That's delightful. Oh, Leave them a big tip, William. <laughs> William? <laughs> I'll have a salad. Uh, do you want the Waldorf or the Caesar? Caesar salad. Okay. How salad? <laughs> Just make them cry. <laughs> Half a house side salad, please. <laughs> Half a side salad. Now, there are a couple of things that I want to uh, get yeah. reactions to 
Namely, Jackie looks different. I do. Jackie is a polar bear now. So, you're alive. Yes, I came back from space. Did you get a haircut? No. <laughs> looks good. You missed it, audience, but we just finger-gunned at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Darren. I, I feel good. I feel different, but... But good. I like the blonde motif. Yeah, I notice you have a new look as well. Oh, thank you. I'm going for Earth Adolescence. Prepubescent. As far as I know, you've nailed it. Thank you. I look pretty much the same. So. Yeah, well, you look, you look Except the for same. Except for your new scar. So, now that we've all finished eating. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> so, you guys remember the ninja guy? That we fought a while ago. The one that tried to kill Piro and then almost tried to kill me by cutting me in half and then was a part of the mission that shot our counselor? Yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah, that, that ninja. I'm um, not sure I do remember. I don't think. Maybe you <laughs> never met him. I was unconscious in a river most of that time. I got you out, don't you, fret friend? That's there was right. a ninja. Okay. And he and tried to kill Piro and almost he cut me in half. He definitely, he wasn't was was a, was a ninja. Like, I don't really see the issue. So, turns out, uh-huh. That him and my brother are dating. That, that tracks mean? with what I know of your family. And... What does that mean? It means they're in a relationship. Okay, so there must be an evergreen song about this that I would quote. <laughs> For real. So I'm going to tell Darren, it's, you know that one evergreen song about the pine cones? They want to be each other's pine cone. Dating is not a concept among plant life. Either we propagate or we Aren't you not in high school propagate. Now? Do you not propagate by spore sharing? I mean, yes, sort of, but like it's <laughs> a different type of You should draw me a diagram sport. in this visual medium podcasting. I will get right on that at a later point. Uh, I'm going to start talking about it explicitly in the restaurant. <laughs> Luckily, you're the only people here. The yes. difference is, wait, how, how much does Jackie know about human I just pull, I'm just pulling up YouTube videos. Ah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm showing Darren YouTube videos about where babies come from. Okay. Yes. Oh my goodness. Human propagation is so inefficient. You think- only have one? I think I think Baby Shark definitely uh, shows up oh, there. Oh, it definitely shows up there. So anyway, the ninja and Eric are together. And the ninja is up on the moon in prison. And I want to break him out. There's a prison on the moon now. Yeah. Well, there's not now. There's been one for a while. No. Why do you want to free... A criminal was didn't he do wrong and was found guilty and then sent to prison like all prisoners that we arrest do? Why does this one feel different? Couple of reasons. I want information on antitoxin. I want. I also want to basically get the younger crew against the older crew. Right. Eric is Eric and myself. I already consider us aligned. I believe with Eric's relationship with Nightshade, I can get him on our side, and hopefully Nightshade can give us some information on where antitoxin is keeping her void chime. Maybe two. I'm not sure. At least the one void chime that I know she has. Me and my brother are trying to go up against my father. And you think because of his relationship with Eric, he won't betray us at the first moment and take the void chimes for himself? That's my hope. Eric seems to think so. I just want to make sure I'm understanding this clearly, that you want to assist our help in freeing a man who tried to kill at least four people that you know and care about. The same person 
who also was found guilty and sent to a prison planet, which we've done to many people before. And furthermore, you're saying that you want to unite all these younger figures to join you in your mission to overthrow the corrupt evil elders, but you treat Debbie like shit. So let me understand your plan in its entirety, or lack thereof. Debbie has been given plenty of chances to actually help out here, and she never has. She has consistently done her own thing and never given me any useful information or allowed me to help her. Didn't so she when she a void chime and then you lost it? <laughs> no, that is not what happened. I- I'm just sitting back and eating metaphors. She did not. She took a void chime. I got my own void chime, and then I lost it. That's a whole different thing. So I think we should trigger some moves here. Uh, because, because these seem like some moves. I think... These seem like you might be trying to pierce the mask here. Which one of us? Kind of you, because you're asking, like, what are your motivations? Yeah. What are you doing here, right? Okay. So, I would like you to roll plus one day. I rolled a six. Okay. I think that's a fail, isn't it? That or is a failure. Okay. Unless the Baroness wants to assist in this. Do we have team? You have one team in the pool. We are together. Because that is base. I will spend that. I'm, I'm going to help. Okay, right. so how are you going to assist? We high-fived for the yeah. audience. Yes. I feel like that sound effect. That's fine. We'll keep that in. <laughs> All right, so how do you assist in this? So you're trying to understand William. I'm going to sort of just nudge Darren and sort of like give Darren some hints as to what I think William is feeling. I have my cyber insight. Like I, I can tell you that like his, his respiration is his peaked or whatever. Just sort of like, you know, I'll like text it to your watch or something. Okay. This is what I so, know about William. Do it under pressure. Phil yeah. Phoenix is going to pop up. And- oh, God, Phil Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you do get to ask one question off Pierce the Mask, which will be directly to William. Using this team now is not going to come back to bite us later. It's fine. You have no team in the pool and you're probably going to be, you know... But as soon as we get into a fight, like, we get the team back, so it's fine. You get some. There are ways to add team. What do you intend to do? And I think I'm implying about, like, the relationships he's forging with these unsavory figures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even if you unite all these figures, one of which you've purposefully chosen to ostracize, even though she's very powerful. Um, I've said nothing about uniting Debbie. Which that, seems like an oversight. So that could actually be part of the answer to that question, is yeah. that you're not planning to include Debbie. What are you intending to do if you are able to unite all these figures in the first place? What is outweighing the costs mm. of this mission that in your mind is so much more valuable in the end term. So, so that's basically kind of like a what's your end game sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think, that, I think that works with what you intend to do. What I know is that whatever ritual my father is planning to perform requires one person per void chime. There are five void chimes. He has heavily implied to me that he intends to use at least me to ring one of those. If I can make sure... That his only options for those people to ring the void chimes are people that I know are allied with me and not him. Then that gives us the opportunity for him to hand us void chimes and then for us to turn the tables. It is a risky plan, but I don't know how to get at the rest of the void chimes. That does make a certain sort of logic. I mean, you had me at moon base. (laughs) So are you joining him, Jackie? Yes. Who am I to stand in the way of true love? I'm in if Debbie is included. And included in the moon base plan or included in like everything, included in like this <clears throat> overall plan? Moon base for now. Okay. Apparently we're inviting <clears throat> Debbie along to the moon base now. If you're okay with that. I guess. 
Sure. All right. So we have a uh, we have a plan. Oh yeah. Uh, one oh, more thing. Yeah. <laughs> that we don't have a plan. Darren, move on for now because there's some other stuff I need to address before I talk to Debbie. Mm-hmm. I have a way for us to get to the moon base. There's a shuttle leaving tomorrow night that Eric has arranged for us to not exactly stow away on, but be on to get to the moon base. I can't portal us there. I don't know the area well enough. And they'll be okay with a bear and a mushroom alien? He seems to think so. However, I'm exploring all options. Do you have any access to a spacecraft in order to for a different option to get us there? The only spacecraft I've encountered recently crashed. By the way, I should talk to you about that in a second, Darren. But I don't want to derail the conversation. You're a very considerate conversation <laughs> partner, Jackie. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, um, I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but I, uh, when I first came to Earth, I did not land with a lot of grace or poise, but my ship that I came in on did arrive intact. I was only recently notified not too long ago that my ship was salvaged. I'm not confident in the condition it was in, but I know that when I left my ship, it still had life support systems intact. I think it might still be capable of flight. That would leave us with a more reasonable means of escape. Because if we have to rely on a transport that we don't control, who knows if we can get back off. I'm fairly certain I can portal us out. It's getting us there that's the issue. My planet has been doing interplanetary travel for centuries before your planet was capable of going to the nearest pebble. Okay, that's <laughs> one way of putting it. Okay, continue. We were able to do this because we have developed and grown on our native planet a moss that, when ingested or absorbed through the skin, allows you to use alternative forces of oxygen. I don't know how it would react with your bodies. But it's an option to look into that would help us survive the trip there. That would be good for William. I'm fairly certain I can survive in space as is. Yeah, I can't. Well, I might be able to for a very short amount of time. Yeah. But not for long. I don't know how it would adapt well for your body, but it's an option. Theoretically, another option, if we can have something, if we can get access to said moss, I could portal us up to... Literally anywhere in that crater, and it's a big crater, and we should be able to see a very long way, Um, and I should just be able to slowly portal us closer and closer (laughs) without having to uh, use anything else. However, this base will be on very high alert, so... Uh I that think the transport is our better option, though, yeah, because it'll probably. allow us to go in without having to break in, and we t- I'm not probably confident true. in how it'll treat your body. That's probably our best option. Yeah. We I'm can... glad we've explored other options, but... That would make sense. Okay. Do we have a consensus? We're just taking the shuttle up? Yeah. That yeah. sounds good. That's We're going to use the And I need to contact Debbie, apparently. Okay. And that's going to be easy enough. We're, we don't need to play through that. We can just get to seeing the scene of the four of you now, since Debbie is coming along. <laughs> Uh, entering the shuttle. And I want to intercut that with a couple of scenes to explain how you weird people are getting on this shuttle. Okay. I'm also curious. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, the answer is actually pretty simple. You have access to a very high-tech, you know, multinational corporation. They've got holographic tech. So you basically have, you know, disguises. How do you disguise me? 
something that is three times <laughs> larger than a human. You're not the only big person on this transport. I see. As it turns uh, out. Because remember, you've seen some pretty big people. You've seen Bulletproof. That's uh, true. is huge. You've seen some big people. So you're big, but you're impressively like normal super big. Okay. Here's the downside. These things have a very limited battery life. I see. You'll get, at most, 12 hours out of this. And How long does it take to get to the moon? Your trip to the moon is actually going to be pretty quick. It's only going to take about an hour and a half. Yeah. Nice. I like this future. So, can I just go as myself, since no one knows this persona yet? And you already are a crab of criminal history. That's true, I do. But they we're going up there as guards, right? Not criminals. You, you are, but keep in mind this is not run by Kopi. This is run by the U.S. military. Okay. So this is kind of a disguise as a registered member of the military. Okay, so I'm disguised as a particular person. Yes. Okay, engage acting units. So, so what do I know about this person I'm impersonating? I'm actually going to leave this up to you. I'm going to let you name your own pretend military people. Oh, jeez. So much power. You don't have to do that right now. Yes. My character, my persona, is Beverly Hillbilly. After my favorite character show. It's made it to my planet. It's a true treasure. That's good. Most of you look kind of vaguely like yourself, just, you know... Not in, pink. Yeah, just not pink and more sure. like human-ish. And you look like a big, you know, person. Yes. But not like an actual physical bear. Yeah, I'm, I'm a large, buff person with a big white beard. And as this transport lifts off... We get a couple of scenes in transit. There's the four of you, and then there's three other guards uh, that are coming along with you. None of whom are really making a whole lot of conversation, so that's fine. You do have a short in-flight video, though. Yes. Yes. Called Welcome to Candyland. And it goes over the following things. Candyland (laughs) is located, as we said, in the South Pole Aitken Crater. It gives you some... Very brief specifications on this crater. Candyland is home to some of the most dangerous and wily criminals that the Earth has ever seen. Does he actually say wily? Yes. Like, oh my gosh, like, this is done by Acme, wasn't it? Are they like yes. superstitious, cowardly lot? Or No, at least one of them to kind of... They show you some short videos of a couple of these prisoners. Okay. And there is one in particular that you used to emphasize how dangerous these people are. This is a... It looks like a shark and a dragon had a baby. Think great white shark, big wings, claws, feet. I don't feel like Nightshade is in the same league here. (laughs) Uh, And this is an alien that specifically came to Earth in the late 90s and went on an absolute rampage. Never gave an explanation for why they did this. Never communicated with anyone. Ate a few people. Killed several people in the attempt to capture, and has said nothing since being imprisoned here. Who took him down? Uh, Axiom. Everything short of Axiom that they tried to throw at this thing, it just ripped through like butter. It is now, it is now housed in a building by itself. Employees are not allowed in this building. Hmm. It is monitored by video, and they show you a short video of it with like heavy, heavy chains to the floor and four miniguns in each corner pointed at it. That's how serious we take these things. Let's not go to that building. What was its name? It actually did identify itself. Oh. Because here's the thing, and here's the other thing to keep in mind. Not everyone up here is going to be what you think they are. After Axiom took them down, they identified themselves as crushing depths and requested to be imprisoned in this facility. They're here by request. Okay, that... That's weird. 
Okay. Yeah. It's also really the only secure enough facility that they could house this thing in. Here's the real question. Would we already know about this? This seems like it'd be like a major event. <laughs> yeah, this was in the late 90s. But still. This was before you were born. Okay, but still. Yeah, quite right. possibly. I mean, you've probably seen some news feeds, but yeah. this, this rampage didn't last very long. I mean, in okay. the big scheme of things, right? Yeah. On our yeah, it wasn't that big of a... Yeah, it really wasn't. Okay. Point is... There's a lot of very dangerous people up here, and we take that very, very seriously. There are safety okay. protocols that are specific to every inmate. Uh-huh. If you are in those wings, you will learn them, and you will follow them. Or we will send you back to Earth. You will be court-martialed. And at that point, you land, and there is a big pink neon sign over the landing bay that says, Welcome to Candyland. It's a big pink neon sign. It's not like it was part of the original construction. Okay. We found this on the moon. <laughs> Yeah, someone brought it up. Uh, okay, that, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll my ego move on that if I win. <laughs> All right, what, are, what are you rolling this on? This super base, Candyland. You know what? Okay, sure. Just in general. So roll your ego move on Candyland. Okay. And it's been a while since we've seen this move. So what'd you get? That's an eight. All right. Now read us out that move. Tell us what it does. Okay. When you first encounter an important superpowered phenomenon, mark Armager and roll plus superior. On a hit, tell the team what important detail you've learned from your studies. A GM will tell you what, if anything, is different from what you remember. On a 10+, plus, you can ask a follow-up question. But I got an 8. Okay, so tell me one important detail you've learned <laughs> in your studying of this in the last, like, day and a half. Yeah, when I was Googling it. That Candyland sign was just found on the moon, and that is why it is called Candyland. No one knows where it came from, but that's why they're using it, and that's why it's weird. Damn it. <laughs> You know Thank what? Thank you so much. You know yes. what? I'm going to leave that as it stands. This is but... canon. Yes. I'm going to leave that as it stands. That filled my armor track, uh, by the way. Okay. <laughs> that was a good use of that. That was a good use of that. Very helpful. Yes, Very it helpful. was. And as you enter Candyland, we close this issue of Apex City, and we will see you next time. Masks A New Generation is written for Magpie Games by Brendan Conway. It is made of molecular gastronomy, bizarre neon signs, and moonworms. Put it on your evil dad's credit card, he'll never find out. Crushing Depths appears courtesy of Landon Cornell. You can find him on Twitter at super underscore Landon1. He emcees at St. Fleurpod, the best Urban Shadows podcast in the Midwest. Jackie Bear is played by Christina. Piero is played by Lenny. You can find her on Twitter at 1-800-TOD. William Infernus is played by Jordan. Darren is played by Nan. Find her on Instagram at Nanjitsu. Apex City is GM'd by Jeremy, who also writes the music and edits this podcast. Our album art was provided by Fitzsimmons. Find them on Instagram at Fitzonomy. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or just tune in with your cybernetic Wi-Fi. Follow us on Twitter at ApexCityCast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next issue.